Welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Rohn, and you all are in for such a great episode today. We are talking all about resilience and how and why resilience really is a choice. I have brought to you one of many great guests that will appear on this show, but I'm bringing to you today Miss Lacey Fields who is a really good friend of mine, and she's also in the coaching space. And before I butcher all of the wonderful things about her, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the introduction. So Lacey Fields is a teen mom turned transformational catalyst, better known as the Course Mentor. She created her award-winning mentoring program, You Go Girl, in her basement in 2011. Lacey has years of experience not only talking the talk, but walking the walk in theory and application. This includes years of mentoring teen girls, designing youth curriculum, and helping women design their own curricula. Lacey is now using her curriculum design skills to help purpose-driven women create transformational courses using their unique stories. Equipped with her own story of triumph over trauma, Lacey has not let her past stand in her way, but instead used it as a stepping stone. She's earned degrees and certificates in the fields of marketing, human services, coaching, holistic therapies, and is currently completing courses in clinical mental health, covering the gamut from experience to education, all the way to inspired faith back action. Lacey is more than prepared to complete her mission of helping women use their stories to transform lives. Without any further ado, please welcome my girl, Lacey Fields, to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Ma'am, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I am more than happy to be here. I'm super excited about this. I wanted to just have you talk a little bit about your story, kind of where you are, how you've ended up in the space that you are, being the course mentor. And I want to also share that although we only met five, six few months ago, I realized in a couple of our conversations that we've kind of been in the same circle for a while and following Miss Patrice Washington. And I want to, I guess, elaborate a little bit on what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it. Talk about your mentoring programs. I know you've written a couple of books, so you have a lot going on and I want you to be able to share that. Oh, thank you. Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) So I want to keep it very relevant. So about me. You know, it's always awkward to talk about yourself, right? Because you're like, yeah. You this? Yes. And I introduced the amazing you things. <laughs> Let's talk about the amazing things about this amazing person that's here. But before we talk about my mentoring programs, before we talk about anything that I'm doing now, I believe it's very important to share with people that, you know, I didn't start off that way. I became the person that I needed in my life. You know, I went from being a straight A honor student to not being enrolled in school by my guardian, Mm. having to forge her name on a GED, take it, pass it, and still not be able to go to college. 17, ended up pregnant. 19, ended up incarcerated. 22, had my daughter, (laughs) ended up pregnant again. And then 24, I literally was like, God, 
this has been a rough few years here, you know, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. the trauma that I experienced as a child, I was like, okay, I needed to stop. Why are these things happening? Mm-hmm. And he told me, you know, it's the, it wasn't the first time hearing God. I started hearing God at a very young age, but it was a time when he was like, cause it wasn't for you. Mm. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. So God told me, I said, you know, why, why God, why all of this? And he said, it wasn't for you. And literally the next day I went in my basement and wrote the program that is now known as you go girl. Um, And it was everything that I needed, the type of information I needed, right. Mm -hmm. About goals and goal setting and life skills and understanding how to put plans in play and execute. I know we were talking just a minute ago and you said that you had some sort of a download. So let's talk about that. And then we can jump into everything else. So tell me about that. Yes. So I was thinking about the resiliency and thinking about what gets in the way of that. And what came was fear. Fear is the thing that stops us from being resilient. And I was like, but when we think about fear, of course, people always want to say, you know, oh, it's false evidence appearing real. But we know that fear is in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, that there is a fear, even if it's like walking on the kitchen floor or something like that, you fear leaving the marks there, mm-hmm. right? So that's a different type of fear, though. It's a different type of fear than being on a cliff. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right? But some of us have experienced things in our life that have left a fear residue, And so we get attached to that type of fear and it becomes our go-to. So you know how some people are like super high strong because Mm -hmm. they have a go-to level. And what came to me was we all are living with fear, but each one of us has a different fear tempo. Ooh, that's good. First of all, I like the fear residue because I've never heard it put that way. But it's so true because, you know, all of us have our own stories, but that fear tempo, right? It's like having, I guess I imagine that as having a certain level of pain tolerance too, right? So you got Mm -hmm. a fear tempo and or tolerance, and then you have this pain tolerance. And sometimes we look at our life and we say, all of these things happen to me, but sometimes they happen for you to understand how to handle things when it happens again. And a lot of us aren't equipped To do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's a good segue because it sounds like you've had to have a lot of resilience over your lifetime, right? And so as you think about the things that you've been through and when you partner that with being resilient, Mm -hmm. help me understand through these different circumstances, and you don't have to go into grave detail, but what's helped you to be resilient? Because- As you know, the title of this episode is Resilience is a Choice. So how did you choose to keep being resilient? What did that look like? I chose survival. And survival can go two ways, is which I learned. Mm -hmm. But I chose to be a survivor. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to accept being a victim. I knew that nothing happened to me. And that was at a very, very young age. My great-grandmother, she told me one time after... My mom beat me with a switch and I was like, girl, them switches, <laughs> she going to hell, <laughs> you know, <Yes. laughs> that is not right. 
And my great grandma sat me down and she said, you can't hold anything that she does in you. That Mm -hmm. is not for you. Other people have to deal with their sin. Other people have to deal with what they do to people. That is not for you to carry. You carry who you are and how you treat people. And that is your only burden. And so Mm -hmm. make it light. And she told me that I I had to be like six or seven years old. Okay. So when things started happening, I was like, that's not mine. Mm -hmm. And I believe that resilience being a choice is you choosing not to carry the burden of others. If someone abused you, that is not your sin. They did Mm -hmm. the act. They committed the crime. You give that to them and you carry in your heart and your spirit that I have to maintain and be a good person and make sure that I don't make other people feel the way that person made me feel. Wow. That is so, so, so true. When you think about not carrying somebody else's, whether it's their pain, their mistakes, and Mm -hmm. not embedding that into your spirit. I know personally, I've been in situations where I have carried that. And it has impacted my ability to be resilient. And so, you know, whether it's your parents or your husband, your boyfriend, a friend, and really carrying what they did to you can absolutely block your ability to stand up and get back in the ring, right? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. That's so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I really, I really had to learn that I was resilient in this because You know, when you say, okay, I'm going to get back up again, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing is a night, a knockdown. Everything's a lesson. Mm -hmm. Everything. I got a shirt that say my lessons made blessings. (laughs) They do. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. They do because we're all learning. We're all learning. We're all growing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, unless you go, you know, the wrong way, you don't know which way is right. Right. So it's kind of like, oh, you open up the wrong door. Oh, that's not it. Let me close that door. Right. But you had to open the door. You had to see the things that you don't want so that you can appreciate what you do want. And to me, resiliency is going after everything that you do want and the things that you don't want, not letting them get in the way. Yes. That is so important. You can't let the things that you go through get in the way of you being resilient. And that's exactly why it's a choice, right? Now, I've shared pretty openly about me being in an abusive relationship. I've shared about me being a teen mom and being a single mom. And all of those things, I had to really choose to get up and do something different, right? I could have sat in my stuff when I opened up those doors and you know, struggled with getting my child in daycare, struggled with making ends meet, struggled with being a single parent and having to explain that to my daughter and trying to be two parents in one, struggled with loving myself enough to get out of that abusive relationship. I could have absolutely stayed there, but I chose to do different. I chose to be resilient. So I want you to tell me a little bit more about, I guess, what your mindset was, right? In mm-hmm. terms of you choosing to be resilient after you, you know, you said that you were unenrolled in school after you becoming a teen parent and some of those similar things. Talk to me about what your mindset was like back then. Well, first of all, my child didn't ask to be here. Oof, hold on. If that's not accountability at its finest, like most people won't say that, right? Yeah. But okay, I'm going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> no, you're good. 
he didn't ask to be here. So my job was to give him a life that he deserved. You know, if I fell short, girl, I probably did. But <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> you know, but I was like, these are not things that I feel like he deserves or that he would be comfortable with. You know, when I had my son at like, uh, I was only 17, I turned 18 a couple months later. Mm-hmm. And I went to the temp agency literally after I left my six week checkup. Ooh. Yeah. Damn. I went to, to yeah, <laughs> girl, you know? And the woman was like, wait a minute, you don't have a degree? I was like, oh, I just turned 18 like a couple weeks ago. Right. Like, that's enough. Yeah. And she was like, what? She was surprised because I came in and I said, I just had a baby and I need an income that's going to be able to sustain us. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to work in the evening so I can go to school in the day. Mm-hmm. And I thought I just had it all figured out. Right. Mm-hmm. I got a job at First USA, which was one of the biggest credit card banks in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And they loved me. I moved up very fast. I called on really fast mm-hmm. and right when, cause I went through the temp agency and right when first USA was going to hire me on. And I was like, thank God, you know, this is my first job as a whole adult, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a real bank, adult. <laughs> right. Like I'm 18. I got into the biggest bang people. It's grown women and men who try to work here and I'm in, mm-hmm. I came home and my mom was gone. House packed up. House is empty. Wow. And she had moved to Georgia. The lights were off. And so that meant the hot water was off. Mm -hmm. And Delaware is always cold Mm -hmm. in the evening. It doesn't get hot until the dead of summer. So it was around May. I had to wash my son with a bottle of water and baby wipes because there was no hot water. And I was like, this isn't, I thought I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. to make this a better situation for him. But there are still outside forces. There are still people that I was depending on to assist me with this, but they weren't on the same page as me. And at that moment is when I said, you're going to have to one, build a community of people who have the same goals as you for you and your son. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to do everything that you have to do to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah. And I believe I started living my life like this is never, ever going to happen again. I've never lived with anyone. I've never lived with my mom again ever in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had to stay with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is never going to happen. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it was a choice. Takes. Yeah, it was. I had the choice because I did go to Georgia to say, oh, okay, well, I can go live in the projects, go to school, not have to worry about too much, or, you know, do the other thing, find a man, have him take care of us. Right. (laughs) There's definitely options. Right. (laughs) And so both of those things came up and it was like, okay, so this is like the red pill, maybe. I was like, I think I'm a... (laughs) He was in the matrix, huh? Right. I was like, wow, these things are happening. I don't think this is my life. I'll take the green pill and I'll go figure this out a different way because this isn't it. This ain't it. He said, nah, I don't want either one. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so with choosing resilience, sometimes that's choosing the hard way. Yes. Yes. That's not the easy path. It's not. And then people see the outcome, right? They see Mm -hmm. that, oh, you've made it. You have these wonderful children. You're successful in this area. Oftentimes, I always say too, that to do the right thing is the hard thing. And resilience is the hard path. Like Mm -hmm. you have to make yourself get up and do these things. Like you said, you could have chose to go live in the projects. You could have chose to get a sugar daddy, but you chose to do what you knew was best to provide the life for you and your child that he deserved, right? And that's hard. Yeah. And so I want to pivot a little bit. I'm a definition kind of girl. And I wrote down the definition of resilience and it resonated with me because it says that resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Mm -hmm. And with that, I wanted to ask you, because you know I'm a capacity coach now. Yes. How do you feel that capacity is tied to resilience? And take your time in thinking about it. I know for me, I think about mental capacity, emotional capacity, physical capacity. Mm-hmm. And how is being resilient tied to that? When we think about resiliency and capacity, we have to think about it as if it's a tangible good. Mm, and so my definition yeah my definition of resilience is when you accept what is and understand that your next best step is grace Mm. so if you think about resiliency being in a bucket you accept that this is how much resiliency you have and you carry that Mm -hmm. and you have to sprinkle it when necessary Right. Yes, so yes. you can't just be out here just being like, oh, I'm going to be resilient at work, girl. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to do this and do that. Nah, boo. Have a seat. Let's talk about how you got this one cup of resilience in this bucket. You ain't got all that. You got to spread you know? it out. <laughs> right. Because all of us do have different levels. And that's why I love that you're a capacity coach. Because if you think about different things that we carry as actual tangible goods, All of us don't have the same amount. You may not have, you know, a gallon of resiliency. You may only have a cup. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful about the areas that you put yourself in a position to be resilient in. And that also means that you have to not put yourself in positions that you don't have the capacity to handle. Say that again, please, for the people in the back. (laughs) You can't put yourself in positions that you do not have the capacity to handle. It's okay to walk away from stuff. Yes. You know what? With this being no November, I want to make sure that everybody understands that it's okay to say no, right? It's okay to walk away and to not put yourself, like you said, in those sort of positions where you don't have the capacity to do it. I have a lot of friends, a lot of clients, a lot of family who have this superwoman complex, right? Which is the whole reason why I started the Flow and Flourish podcast, that we all run around feeling like we have to do everything for everybody. We cannot take a break. And then that in turn impacts our resiliency. So talk to me a little bit about how, I guess, self-care and managing, you know, how much resiliency you have impacts your ability to show up for yourself 
for your family and in these different areas of your life. Exactly. And I'm going to stick with if you had a cup of resilience. (laughs) (laughs) That's your final answer? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, okay. Right. If you only have a cup of resilience, you can't go out here and be resilient for somebody else. Yes. Because now you come back and you only got an eighth a cup. Mm-hmm. And so when it's time for you to stand up for yourself, you weak, you tired, you don't have it. You can't do it. You sick. You bent over, you yeah. know, now you're filled with fear and anxiety and depression because you gave all of yours away to somebody else. Yes. When they probably had a gallon and it wasn't even using it. <laughs> they just stole your capacity, huh? Right. And, and your we, resilience. Yeah. We allow people to do that. We allow people to take from us mm-hmm. and we don't look at it that way. But if we really sat down and measured each area of our lives where we feel like, you know what, I can go so far with this. Maybe I shouldn't put myself in that situation mm-hmm. because I don't really have the capacity to do that. I only have this much and I need to reserve it for this time. And even, you know, we are going through all these different pillars of life, right? Mm -hmm. So each pillar, you may not be able to show up at 100% there, right? You don't have it. And if you don't have it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but say that to yourself because the most important thing is that you keep everything on reserve Mm -hmm. and that you learn how to fill it up when you have to use it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what self-care is. It's saying, you know what? I know that this is not my strong suit. I have to delegate that. <laughs> okay. Yes. I have to delegate that or it's going to burn me out and I'm going to end up running on fumes. And when I do need it, right? So mm-hmm. I can't go over here to my friend and go to her school, go to the children's school with her because her kid's bad. Right. But now I don't even have the capacity to show up for my own children and they not. I can't even go to the award ceremony because I'm tired of going to the school. I've been there three times. Yeah. Wasting it on somebody else. Yes. And it's not out of lack of love, right? No. And what I'm hearing you say a lot of is being aware, right? Yep. Being aware, being mindful of where you are capacity wise, because mm-hmm. that does impact your ability to be resilient in the long run. And you're, you don't know when you're going to need a little bit of extra resilience, right? Exactly. exactly. And then when you have not only just friends, but you have family, right? And in my circumstance, I talk about my father being in chronic heart failure mm-hmm. and really wanting to step in and help. And I have been, but also I have to be mindful of how much capacity I have for my own family. Cause I got this 17 year old. I have this five year old. There's this podcast, there's the work, there's all of these different things. So you can love somebody to the world blow up, but you can't keep putting your capacity on thin ice, which impacts your ability to show up for yourself and your family. So thank you for sharing that. Man. Yeah. yeah, we have to measure it. We have to measure everything that we're holding. We have to understand how much faith we have. You know, I don't believe that the Bible says that you only need a mustard seed of faith in that everybody has a mustard seed. It's some people who got grapefruit right? full of faith. People got watermelon full of faith. But you need to examine how much faith you have. Mm-hmm. How much grace do you really have? You know, I have a temper. Mm. Right? So I have to understand it's only so much BS I can take off of other people. Yes. So I can't put myself in those situations because first of all, 
Okay. By the time you get, you know, if my temper starts at seven, <laughs> I know where you're going. That's what okay. I'm <laughs> okay. Everybody that's around me, y'all need to stay below five. So you I don't put yourself it. in them situations, so I don't right? put myself in that situation. And that's the same thing. Like if you like, hey, listen, I got about a quarter of faith. I ain't got a mustard seed. I got a mind shaped like a quarter. I'm going to put myself in situations where I use that amount of faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to to minimize how much faith I have. And I'm not going to act like I got gazillion gallons worth of faith. I'm going, mm-hmm. this is what I got. This is what I'm going to use to get it, to get where I have to go. And so if it's love, if it's grace, if it's just how much peace you need in your life, mm-hmm. we really do have to measure these things. Right. And, yeah. then, and write them down and get an understanding of who you are and what you really hold. Mm-hmm. And that is how you can say, I could be resilient because I know everything else about me. And to add to that, being aware of what you need, right? Mm-hmm. And you said a little bit earlier that when you realized you had to come home from work and your mom was gone and the lights were off and all of that, that you needed to really build a community. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I pride myself on is being able to build this sister friend community of like-minded women where we can talk about these things openly. Mm-hmm. But sometimes as the go-to person and as the only person and being the one, the only one that you can count on is the Beyonce, the me, myself and I, right? How do you go about building that when it is just you? And you, you need that and you want that. So I guess it's a two part, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking about how have you been able to identify what you need and how have you gone about building out that supportive community that you've needed to get you where you are? Yeah. I think the, the easiest way to know what you need is when you don't have it. When you're like, I don't have nobody to watch these kids. I need to get somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody that just wants to like go have wine and talk. I need to get somebody there. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's about an inventory. It's yes. about inventory. I literally had a friend and I said, I don't think she appreciated what I just did. Mm-hmm. So now it's almost like, you know how people say, you need to have a checklist if you're looking for a husband or whatever. I have a checklist <laughs> for friends. Me too. You have to have a checklist for your friends, you know? And it's so I meet people and I'm super cool with their mom. And I'm like, I'm just going to be your mom's friend. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Why? Because she may be the person that I need and you were just a segue, you know? And that's okay. And that's how... I'm dumping you for your mom, boo. I'm sorry. We can't be friends, but me and your mama, though? That's the best here. (laughs) And it's cool because it's, again, you are seeing what you need and you're allowing yourself to feel for what you need and get in that. And most people deny those needs, especially Mm -hmm. women, right? I don't need Mm -hmm. nobody. I can do this. I can do that. And it's hard to continue to thrive and to increase any kind of capacity if you're doing stuff in a vacuum. So thank you for sharing that too. Yeah. yeah. And definitely Uh, investing in yourself too. mm. If other people are investing in themselves, I go to places where people have to pay a lot and I want to be your friend. I've learned, and I think I just did like a crazy post about that because when you 
deal with people who haven't invested in themselves. All they want to do is take from you because you built up everything and they look at you like, oh, she, you know, people look at you as being wealthy in community, wealthy in Mm. knowledge. People don't always just want your money. They may want your connections and things that you know. Your energy, your time. Yep. Yeah. And so putting yourself in a community of other people, like I love meeting friends from school, from, you know, or if I'm at an event, Mm -hmm. is the best place to meet people uh, Mm -hmm. because they're investing in the same thing that you're investing in. Yes. And it's hard to, when you have, sometimes whether it's friends or family, and I've talked about this as well, that they're just not on the same page as you, right? And that whole post that you made got my whole life. I want you to know that. Have me looking in the mirror, really thinking through, because there are some friendships and relationships that I have right now that you know, I'm deciding, do I go back and keep going with this sort of friendship or do I keep going on where I know I need to go? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you hit it on the head. When you are around people who have not invested in themselves, they're going to take from you. They don't understand the amount of time, energy, money, all of that, the mental capacity that it takes to even put yourself in a position to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. especially when you got kids and family and all of that, because yep. I know for me, before I've invested in things, I've been like, well, you know what? I could or should be spending this on the kids or I could and should pay another month of a mortgage or whatever it is that it may be. But you have to surround yourself with like-minded people mm-hmm. and people that invest in themselves. Absolutely. You know, even if it's, you know what? I'm working out because I want to get my health right. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do that, but you're constantly around people that are eating fast food or people that are like, girl, you thick. I like how you look. I wish I was you like mm-hmm. getting to that space. So I'm so glad that you said that. That's a yeah. really important piece, especially mm-hmm. as you build community. Yeah. Thinking about motherhood, right? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the women that I work with tend to have children And I want to know from you, what's been your biggest hurdle as a mom and battling resilience? Oh, girl. (laughs) I know that's a tough one. (laughs) You know, because I believe every day, you know, especially as a single mom, and I made the choice to stay single. Now, looking back, I probably shouldn't have made that choice, but I did. (laughs) You know, it's it's done now. They're too old. It's no turning back. (laughs) You know, I made it this far. But every day was like, you know, people say they wake up with the S on their chest. I was waking up and like slapping my R badge, like right on my chest. Like, "Ah, (laughs) I got to get up here. Because, you know, being resilient was doing the things that were best for them. Mm-hmm. Or that we think is best for them because we never really know. We, right. as moms, and you know, I say this all the time. Listen, you gonna mess some, you gonna mess one of them up, <laughs> but just do the best that you can. <laughs> right? They're not gonna appreciate anything that you did or done for them until they are adults and probably have their own children. So as long as you do it out of their best interest, you're fine. But mm-hmm. every single day is being resilient. Every day that you go to work. Because you know the outcome is you have to pay your bills and you have Mm -hmm. to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Every day that you are feeling not your best, but you smile, hug, and love on them, Mm -hmm. that is your form of resilience as a parent because it's you pushing through. 
it's you pushing through everything that may look one way, may be bad. It, you know, you may feel sad or anything, but you saying to yourself every single day, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do this again because it's a lot of people who do give up. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people who give up, you know? Yeah. And I think that was my thing. You know, I wasn't going to let anybody else raise them. Yep. They mind, <laughs> I'm going to mess them up. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> Everybody else going to mess them up. Anything get messed up, I did it. I'll take the blame for that. I'm going to take accountability for it. Yeah. And I think that's the resilience saying, I got this. I'm going to protect my children. I'm going to be there for them. It's not anybody else's responsibility to do these things. Mm -hmm. Now, do you need to build a team for your children? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Because they're going to need their own support system. And it's very important to show kids how to do that and that it's okay to do that. Yeah. Because everybody's not going to always be a child. Right. And my son loves to say, you know, I'm like, I used to tell them when they were little, I was like, I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults. And now my son repeats that. He's like, no, people are raising adults. Yes. Because you're going to have to learn how to live on your own. My daughter, me and her second grade teacher became friends and she would go with her all the time. She's there. Like our families are like, she's like my sister. Yeah. You know, isn't it nice when you get that though? Like in these unexpected places. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Jumping back into resilience. I think what I'm really hearing you say is that resilience, Mm -hmm. especially as a parent, is a lifestyle, right? It's making Mm -hmm. a conscious choice each and every day to get up and to do better, to be better, to push yourself, but that you also have to give yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. Because I want to touch on what you said a little earlier is that you're doing the best that you can. And as parents, sometimes we get caught in comparing ourselves to our other friends or to some of the kids' friends and all of those things. But choosing to get up and do your best each and every day, you're choosing to get up and do what you can and do the best that you can. And that has to be enough. You can't Mm -hmm. do more than you can do. That's right. Period. Right. That's right. That's right. And then you never stop. No, it never ends. You know, I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's 17, (laughs) I was thinking like, even when she turns 18, this doesn't end. This is a lifetime commitment. (laughs) And it scared the hell out of me. But it also pushed me and helped me to continue to be resilient and thinking about, just like you said earlier, what kind of life do I want her to have? Mm -hmm. So. I got a couple questions for you. Let's see if I got a couple answers. I think you do. (laughs) You might. Okay. So these are going to be questions that I ask each and every person on the podcast. And so it'll help me to kind of build that rapport. So I want to know, first and foremost, if you could go back in time and give 17-year-old you one piece of advice what would it be? Girl, run. I'm going to need you to expand on that. (laughs) (laughs) Not girl, run. (laughs) Girl, run. (laughs) Let me tell you why. Because 17-year-old me, I wanted to hold on to the things that I knew and that I was familiar with. Mm. 
And at 17, it would have been very scary to walk away from everything that you knew. And I think about that a lot because I'm like, that would have been so scary, but what would have happened? Because I had an opportunity to move to like a whole different place. I don't know if it was like a cult or whatever, but... (laughs) Girl, it's like I was like, maybe that would have been better. But that's why community became so important to me because I've realized that the people who were in my life were not the best people for me. Mm. And so to 17-year-old me, I would say, create your own family and build your own tribe. And don't be afraid to walk away from the things that you know because they weren't serving you then. And girl, they ain't serving you now. That is so, so, so powerful because we each get caught in our own comfort zones, right? Mm -hmm. And doing what we know, being with who we know and growth as great as it looks once it's done growing is painful. So that's deep. I like that. That's good. Okay. Since this is the Flow and Flourish podcast, tell me how you make sure you flow and flourish on a daily basis. Eliminating people. (laughs) Ooh, do tell. Queen of the cutoff. And that means I cut off my phone. I cut off my computer. I have no problem detaching when I need to detach. Okay. You know, I took a trip to Aruba by myself. Yes. I didn't even People were like, where are the pictures? Girl, my phone was in the room. I was on the beach. And that's all you need. We're so addicted to our phones these days. Got to put it on Facebook. Got to put it on Instagram. Got to let everybody know how good I'm doing. No, sit down somewhere. Get you yeah. some rest. I yeah. like that. Queen cutoff. Okay, then. I'm going to be texting you talking about a queen cutoff. <laughs> um, also, I want you to tell me, after all that we've talked about today and focusing on capacity and resilience. What's one takeaway that you want people listening to get from this episode? Yeah. I want people to measure the amount of resilience and faith that they believe they have and ration it out. Mm. Be very careful how you use those things because it is for you. It is like, you know, if you're in a video game, And you have like this secret little thing that you can only whip out and you need to use it when you need it, Mm -hmm. hold it and cherish your faith and cherish your resilience. It's not for everybody. It's for you. It's your way to get to your next level in life. Yes. Oh, that's so good. And then last but not least, tell us a little bit about what you have going on now and how people can find you. Because I just want to say, You've been instrumental, and I don't think that I've shared this, that you've been super instrumental in helping me get my own things together, getting my whole life, really pulling out of me my story and how that is going to be used and being used to help other women through my coaching program, The Art of Flow, and just how important it is. And it all ties back to capacity. It ties back to resilience. And I know that you've worked with a lot of other women. So tell us a little bit about what you have going on right now, how we can stay in contact with you and all that jazz. Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at Lacey on purpose. And that's just L-A-C-Y or visit LaceyFields.com. What I have going on now, you know, I was helping women with their courses, but really what I was helping people do was use their story to transform their lives. 
And so now I have been affectionately termed the transformational catalyst. And, you know, we all have these things inside of us already. We've Mm -hmm. used them before. That's why I think it's very important to measure what we have because we've used them before. We forget. We haven't tapped back into it. So yeah, if you want to learn everything about you that you thought that you forgot, reach out to me. Let's talk. Let's pick up that story and pull out every good thing that's in you so that we can repurpose it. Yes. And then I'll include all that information in the show notes as well. I just want to, again, thank you so much for taking part in this. And I know that we'll be partnering on other things. You have been such a blessing to me, to so many other women. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing your story and joining me today. And we will reconnect soon. Yes, ma'am. Yay! I really hope that this episode today touched your heart and blessed you and that you really do take it to heart and think about measuring your capacity, measuring your resilience, and measuring all the things that Lacey and I talked about. With that, as always, thank you so very, very much for tuning in and listening to the podcast this week. Make sure that if you have not done so already, you subscribe to this podcast and that you join me for Flow Fridays live on Facebook. And I'm going to be switching that over to, I believe, Instagram at some point. I'm just now getting comfortable with Facebook, so don't judge me. Anywho, make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast, that you're on my mailing list, which you can find at NicoleRone.com. And until next week, I look forward to continuing to be your capacity coach and helping you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. Talk to you next week. Oh, 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 oh,